Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to Millennial Love, a podcast from The Independent focusing on everything to do with sexuality, relationships, identity and more. We touch on a wide variety of topics ranging from how to have feminist sex to how dating has changed in the post-MeToo era. I'm your host, Olivia Petter, and today on the programme, I'm joined by writer and performer Jordan Stevens to discuss dating in a post-Me Too world. Enjoy the show. So two years on from Me Too now, which is so weird that it's been two years. Feels like longer. Yeah, it's mad. So we're going to discuss how the movement has basically changed the way that we date. Jordan's done a lot more than performing. He's also campaigned for mental health awareness. And in 2017, he wrote a brilliant op-ed for The Guardian titled Toxic Masculinity is Everywhere. It's up to us men to fix this. Yeah. Um, so when Me Too happened, I think the initial reaction was just the shock and horror at the uh, allegations that emerged against people like Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey. It was kind of at the extreme end of the scale. So I wonder, Jordan, from your point of view, how did Me Too make you look back on experiences you've had with women well the reason i i suppose the reason i'd written the article originally was because i felt as though i was stuck in a um cycle uh that was negatively impacting on my life and and my intimate life but actually almost exclusively my intimate life i also felt it was my position to say something because already before that point i had considered myself feminist um but I wasn't, I, I, I don't think I was actually living, um, I wasn't necessarily living in a way that reflected that. Uh, I think I, I, I was very good at like pointing fingers at other people. I hadn't necessarily looked at my own patterns. I think in- accountability is basically really important. And for me personally, I needed to, I needed to face some really harsh truths in order to move past them, um, which is painful and, and uncomfortable so i think for me it was it, it i think at the around the time the me too movement began i felt like a um a parallel with what was being spoken about but just on a a, a mic a smaller scale um i i really don't believe i've i've ever physically abused well i haven't physically abused any anyone i've been in a relationship with and or anyone <laughs> I don't need to word that but you know what I mean I haven't I haven't gone to the extreme I haven't been in the more extreme ends of the spectrum in terms of your wine scenes whatever else I have I ha- do feel as though the energy behind that or s- let's say like the suppressed pain or the wounds that I think manifest this kind of behaviour I definitely have my own version of that and that my actions as a result of that wound have I think been something I've wanted to change and that can be around um I say some forms of kind of emotional neglect coercive behavior I'd say 
I just have I just had really deep intimacy issues and commitment issues, and it was my responsibility to be able to have a look at them. And sometimes, instead of instead of being responsible in that respect, um, I would show I would show my issues through behavior that didn't benefit me or, or or the person I was with and have you since since coming to those realizations have you been in touch with any of the people that you felt like you could have behaved better with I yeah. suppose yeah well yeah I mean my um the uh, I think the article did that mm. <laughs> and I don't think the people I actually don't think um at the time I wasn't with anyone and my exes I wouldn't say were that happy about it just because I was saying all this publicly after having already put them through some shit, um, which I totally understand. And I think we all have our own ways of healing. And really my whole standpoint was in terms of my behavior, um, it was for my own peace of mind that I wanted to change my cycles. And I regret loads of stuff I've said and done, Um, but really um, guilt, and shame are really low vibrations. Uh, vibrations is a bit of a buzzword, but I mean, it just energetically, it really does drag you down. Um, so it's kind of my responsibility to forgive myself for stuff and, and um, just just do my best to, to put out love um, to myself and others. I think the first step of that really is accountability. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was what was so positive about the Me Too campaign yeah. was it was opening up a space for men to actually move past some of this because a lot I think a lot of these behavioural patterns like I said in the article are are very damaging to men and don't they don't want we don't want to be in them but it's it's a space created by societal expectations and also I'd say um, improper parenting you know I think a lot of these behaviours you can attribute that to this toxic masculinity which uh-huh. is something that obviously you speak about in the article how do you think those toxic masculinity attitudes can be damaging to the way that men treat women that they date I <clears throat> so the word the phrase toxic masculinity when I when I used it in the article I feel like it had a different energy to what it does now. Yeah, I think I agree I think since then it's become much more of like a media term and it's sort of lost the meaning so yeah. do you want to explain what you meant well, originally <clears throat> I think just the term toxic in itself is quite corrosive, which is quite funny. Well, it's not funny, but um, <laughs> in my head, it was quite clear. The fact that it was toxic masculinity made it very clear that masculinity in its true essence is not toxic. That's that's why I used that term. Otherwise, I'd say masculinity. Um, I think masculinity is like, you know, it's like essential. That energy, The fe- I believe, I look at masculinity and, and femininity as energies that exist within any human being. Um, and it's our responsibility to balance them. And I believe in our society, femininity is sometimes punished. It's actively, uh, you know, there's not even a word for someone being, it's not even, there's a word like you can be emasculated, but you can't, there isn't a female equivalent. Yeah, it's you know so I mean? true. So, so that's, you know, that's kind of my main issue. Anyway, um, so the term toxic masculinity, I think now when you think of the word masculinity, the argument is you also think of the word toxic, which which I don't believe in. Um, so hypermasculinity um, or toxic traits, I don't know. Um, but anyway, my, my, my what I was speaking of were, um, I'd say, actions attributed to men in a general sense that were just misogynistic, I'd say, unconsciously, 
or even consciously misogynistic, which is I think is damaging to the self. As maybe I just keep it at that. I think I, I could babble on about it. And how do you think those attitudes affect the way that men treat women? It's so like <sighs> when they're dating them, right? Well, so um, or trying the, to hook I up suppose that yeah, the toxic masculinity thing has supposedly had the, a light shone on it. I suppose in the context of yeah, of sexual sexual interactions and interpersonal relationships. In my in my mind, it's it's a sense of entitlement. And an abuse of power in that the male sex, the male, you know, like the, the physically, uh, we're more physically um, dominant, just biologically. And I don't believe that we're raised to look at that as, an, as a gift, uh, to honour our physical dominance, short term physical dominance, actually, not, not necessarily long term. Mm. That's another conversation. But <laughs> it's a power, you know, and one of the biggest moments for me in terms of my discovery of, of, of or in terms of me looking at, at my actions um, was when an ex-girlfriend of mine said to me that I'd never been, she said, Jordan, you've never been physically threatened during sex. You've never felt that. Mm. And I just hadn't ever, it never ever crossed my mind. And this was after even me considering myself a feminist. That never crossed my mind. I'd never thought of that. Yeah, it's a really good point. I just never, in, I, at no point ever, 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 ever in my life have I ever been in a sexual scenario and think, if this went, if this went, we will say tits up then, but if this <laughs> went tits up, I wouldn't be able to get out of it. Um, yeah. And so it's, but it's that, we're not taught that, you know, why would you make another feel uncomfortable? Um, and also for me recently, I've, 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 yeah, well, I can get to, I can, it's probably next part of your, one of your questions is where I'm at now. But um, yeah, basically the, it, it's, it's, a, it's a sense of entitlement and it's, uh, it's just like an over, it's, an, it's, it's like it lacks in compassion. Why would, why would we want to put someone in a scenario where they felt vulnerable and pressurized? Um, and what does that say about the person doing it? That, that, that's, that was, that's why I feel, felt in, emboldened to say something because I'm not trying to point a finger I'm not going like yeah men are bad you know I'm, I'm listening I'm all here for for women being angry and upset and saying all types of whatever but that's why I was making I was directing it at guys I'm like I, I really believe that if we just look after ourselves all this stuff will, will go because I personally would never want to be in a situation where someone wants to interact with me sexually th through fear or through um like a lack of choice. Do you think, because obviously all of these revelations are so brilliant and so necessary, but do you think it's a bit bleak that it took something as major as those Weinstein allegations, which, you know, had been buried for years. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, it took something as major as that to actually prompt this global discussion. Do you think if, if it wasn't for that, we'd be even having this conversation right now? I mean, it was always going to be, it was needing to be something like that. Someone brave enough or a group of people brave enough you know, the, the changing the course of of history is is it's it starts with one. You know, and and it, and the more that can that can push through. I, I mean, I don't know. Look, there's so many things. There are so many cases that have not have gone unspoken about. It's, it's horrible for me to think about. I would like to believe that there would have been another way. I don't know, but here we are. I guess one of the tropes that we see time and time again in terms of dating is this idea of fuck boys yeah. and womanizers and yeah. i think 
you know, and you actually spoke about this in your piece. You said, uh, if you're one of these guys who takes pride in jumping from girl to girl or brags about breaking hearts, you have no idea what it feels like to truly love and trust yourself. Yeah. How did you come to that realization? <laughs> I think to, to brag, I mean, to brag about breaking hearts, which I've felt, I've felt like I've been in this. Uh, whenever I talk about that stuff, it's from a place of experience. Um, Although I will, I will back myself here and say I've never been. I've definitely hooked up with a lot of women, but I've definitely not. Um, I don't think I've ever been quite the notches on a bedpost guy. I don't think I've ever quite been like. I mean, but but then again, I've been. I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to excuse myself. I don't know. I, I know I was a pop star at like 19 years old. You know, like. God, that's mad. You were 19 when Rizzo yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like I was. I was. Do everything you'd expect from yeah. like a, a, a young little famous boy um which would not have helped me in terms of my own balance and peace of mind really in a long term um but i just think of it in in terms of just the myself and the guys i see around me it's from a place of fear i've always understood that a when fear of being loved a fear of mm. a fear of loving a fear of rejection really you hear you you hear odd snippets of it even in like hyper masculine situations there'll be a moment you hear it a lot in, in uh, there's some music I, I hear it a lot and even in like the most braggy ego form of music you'll hear the odd thing about trust and you'll be like oh it's actually not really about domination it's actually equally out of a fear of being let down you know so instead of just looking at love as like ah uh, you know i don't quite want to settle down because i'm deeply terrified of being abandoned People go, oh, yeah, 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 broke a heart. It's a fear of, ex it's, it goes back to toxic masculinity, though, doesn't it? Because it's a fear of exposing vulnerability yeah, yeah. and emotion. Well, and there's no, there's no set, there doesn't, we haven't currently set up a safe place to be able to have that kind of conversation. How are you navigating relationships now? Are you behaving differently to how you did two years ago? Yeah, well, I've been in a, I've been in a, in a relationship now for a year and a half with the, the girl who I actually really hurt, or the woman that I really hurt. Um, that led to me writing the article. We bumped into each other and, you know, went through quite a difficult healing process. Um, and I betrayed her and myself in, in doing so. And it was a very, it, it's like a big, it's a, I don't know, it, you know, throws a lot of, a lot of up into the air, but I was in a lot of therapy and she's done, she's, we both just believe in working on ourselves and, and, and really trying to discover what motivates us. And I, I think, wonderfully now we're kind of getting into a, a space within us each other where where we're kind of starting to find some kind of harmony and it, just in ourselves because we're realizing how many of our actions are as a response to to stuff that we maybe buried or don't want to admit um so how long were you together for before like five months okay it's all everything was a whirlwind to me up until last year really everything was like wasabi <laughs> <laughs> You know the way it was be like a brilliant metaphor. explodes and then disappears. <laughs> that was just my life. <laughs> but me personally, yeah. So it's first time I've been in a committed relationship, really solidly, a monogamous relationship for this long, and it's taught me a lot about love um, and what happens, you know, when you are um, when you prioritize someone and. I'm more emotionally attentive and I've listened to books and I just, the way I figured it in my head was I love learning things. I love learning through experience and 
I've got a lot of ideas, but um, it's very clear to me that one issue I've had in my life is commitment and intimacy. So why not try harder than I've ever tried before with someone who's who I get to learn more about, who's wonderful and who has, you know, pushed this change in a way, <clears throat> knowing myself and my history now and what I've, I've come to realise, I think it's always going to be fucking hard for me. And I think it's going to be hard. It's hard. It's going to be hard for a lot of guys to fall out of these cycles because we've inherited, I believe, some very difficult behavioural patterns. We've grown up in situations that don't really give you as as much of a head start in terms of trust, intimacy and commitment. And I don't think that's to be taken lightly. Um, and I still think we've got some way to go in terms of our society, in in terms of like finding safe places actually for the perpetrators of this fear of love to actually f understand what it means. Because it's so easy to be a bad guy. And I think a lot of people just slip into that role because there's actually sometimes applause for it in male circles and because there's no interest outside of it. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. And now, we're going to move on yeah. to our next topic, which um, I'm very excited to hear what Georgian has to say on this. This is uh, our Lessons in Love segment, yeah. uh, where every guest um, I invite describes one lesson they have learned through their love and relationship experiences. So, Georgian, would you like to introduce what your lesson is? Yes, I've got two. Okay, that's fine. Hit me. Okay, first one is listen to your intuition your gut there are points where your body will tell you how you feel about a situation and you have like a 20 second window to listen to it otherwise you fall into a space where you're just sitting on it which is totally human but i really do believe in gut instinct and i think that's something again within the world of of the male gender or men or the male body where we're told that you know you have a phrase of women's intuition you don't think about 
the fact that men, of course, have that power to, to just listen to their gut. Do you want to say this? How do you actually feel about what you've just said? Mm. You know, how many times are you going to go into the situation and feel this way before you do something about it? And then it's our responsibility to communicate our intuition in a loving way, which I think is something that doesn't happen either. How do you think you can communicate those ideas most effectively? If you if you have something in your gut that you really want to say to someone you're dating or, you know, have been with for a long time, if you have a gut instinct to say something, maybe it could be quite easy to for it to Let come it out, out in the wrong way. Yeah, How no. do you think you control that? I know that's really hard. I don't know. I, I mean, like, I think... I think... You you is you are you are to prioritize. You know, one thing I've I've been told, or or heard or read, is that whether we like it or not, we're representative of parents in relationships. So when you become someone's primary attachment, you are their parent, <laughs> and you in the worst moments you're representing their parent. That's why they all overreact in your world, but in their world it's like the worst thing. Um, so you just think about how you'd speak to a child and then it's a lot easier. And then it feels weird because you're like, in the context of love, you're like, we're two adults, we can do what we want. <laughs> but it's like, when two people think that, in the worst case scenario, that's when you end up distanced. Yeah. But if it's like, if you felt intuitively like your child was doing something erratically, it would be your responsibility as the person to, to communicate that in a way they'll understand, mm. you know, rather than being like, don't do that. So anyway, so that's tough. And the second one I've got... <laughs> is I really want men to care about their sexual energy. What do you mean by that? I've, I feel as though one thing I've learned from my experience of like hookup culture or whatever is that sometimes it's easy to think that like it's just an achievement to have sex with someone else. Mm. When I just see a lot of guys, like I feel like they don't rate themselves. You know, like in this, it's just like you have a gift to give, you know? And like you want to give it to someone who you respect that least. Just respect and 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 that shows respect to yourself. And then it, I think when you just let go of that, it leads into these negative conversations and these like kind of corrosive patterns of like, oh yeah, well you know, I just wanted to like have sex, mm. or I wanted you know did that that kind of mentality. It's like no, what why? Like respect yourself. I'm not even saying I'm not even getting as far as saying respect women because that'll just come. If you just sit there and go like, you know, that's what I feel. I don't, I'm not even saying people should just be in relationships. I really don't. But I really think that if you, even if you want to be having casual sex, just do it with someone who you can trust. Yeah, and, and do it as an with. intention as opposed to just an incidental thing. Yeah, I like, I don't know. I, yeah. I get it. Like, listen, people want to go out and get drunk and, you know, make a mistake, like consciously make a mistake, sure. But I think, one, you run such a risk of of it being... Yeah, I don't know. I just think it's, I don't think it's worth it. I think it's a lot more fun to go out drunk, meet someone, but then actually meet him again. Yeah. And also like, who wants to have sex once with someone really? No, but I, th I really don't, I really don't think there's any case for one that stands anymore. Yeah. Unless maybe you're like, you have like a super, super, super busy like job in the city or something and you've only got time <laughs> and your entire life is transactional. Just... <laughs> <laughs> so like you literally don't, you can't. <laughs> You don't have the time to build up a relationship. It's the transactional. It's yeah. just like bordering on, yeah. Some people are in the office really late at night Yo. during the week and they're working at weekends. But they, those people need to meet you know, each other. They yeah. often do in orgies. <laughs> but, I, but I'm saying, but I'm saying more like, or office I Christmas don't, parties. yeah, but it's just like, I just don't, I can't understand it. 
I re- I'm yeah. all for I'm all for freedom of I'm all for free sex and free love, but I don't understand why people would put themselves in a situation where they just regret. I've always been anti slut shaming, man. You can actually ask anyone, even when I was in the source, even when I was like all up in my male privilege and that, oh, I still probably am, but even when I've totally unaware of my actions and what I've, I've always been against that because one thing I felt inherently in me is that someone's sexual experience is entirely there. I, like, I just don't think anyone's got entitlement to that. I actually would, go, I have some more extreme views on that. I don't even believe in the context of, I actually, part of me doesn't even believe in the context of love that, a partner even at that point has ownership over the other person's sexuality. I think they should, but yeah, that's no, it. I agree. Yeah. I, agree. I think, I think everyone's body and everyone's decisions around that body is theirs and theirs alone. I will always, I've always stood up against that because first is of course there's double standard. And also because you learn this through error and I'm sure someone will understand how they feel. You don't need to remind them of it. If someone, like I say, if someone wants to have a bunch of one night stands or whatever else, then do your thing. From my experience, I don't know why, because I don't think the sex is that good. And also because sex seems to, in my experience, be better when you trust someone or respect them. That's all we have time for this week on Millennial Love. Follow Independent Lifestyle on social media to keep up to date with what's coming up on the show. And if you're a new listener, remember to subscribe to this series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you listen. Also, leave us a rating and comment with your thoughts on our conversation today. Until next time, thanks a lot for listening. Goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.